0: Okay, let's go ahead and get started, if we could, please, with a word of prayer. Our Father, we come before you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving you praise and honor and glory, for you deserve our worship. Lord, you are good and great and mighty, and we stand in awe of who you are and all that you've done, all that you've revealed that you will do, Lord. Uh, encourages us, helps us to put our faith in you, helps us to think rightly about the world that we see in front of our eyes today. Lord, helps us to trust in you all the more, for you are in control of all that happens on this terrestrial ball. And so we look to you. We thank you for the words of Ezekiel. Lord, thank you for all that you've taught us to this time Pray that you continue to lead us by your spirit to understand the words that are written in the scriptures. Lord, may we divide it rightly and give you honor and glory as we do so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is week number 33 in our study of eschatology. And I believe this is week number 9 in chapters 38 and 39. So our objective today is to finish chapter 39 so that next time we can move forward into chapter 40. And you'll remember last time we looked at all of chapter 38 really, or at least the last half of it, and the first eight verses of chapter 39 also. And there in chapter 38, we saw the actual war. Uh, It's not really much of a war. It's more of a slaughter um, that takes place Uh, in the land of Israel, as Gog and his troops come against uh, Israel. Really, Israel doesn't fight, it's just against God. It's between God and Gog and his forces. And before the war takes place, God states what his purpose in the war is. And that's that he might be sanctified in the eyes of the nations, through Gog and his troops. So God shows himself to be sovereign and to be almighty and to be in total control, even though those invading forces, and I think probably most of the world at this time, doesn't believe that he is because Satan has been uh, released. He's come out of the abyss where he was for a thousand years. And he has again deceived the nations in thinking that God is not who he says he is and that he's not able to protect Israel and to uh, destroy the evil in the world. But he is, so they're sadly mistaken. And we saw that God comes in his anger and his fury. And he uses several natural things that happen today, but they don't all happen at the same time usually. He had, there was an earthquake, a great earthquake, um, so that it says all the creatures and all the men were shaken, meaning it went on for a while and knocked people down, knocked animals down. It says all the walls fell. Um, There aren't any walls around the cities of Jerusalem, so uh, possibly in adjacent lands all the walls fell. And so you had a natural earthquake, and then it says they had torrential rain and that they had hail falling on them. So these are all natural phenomenons, but um, God caused them to be such and in such intensity <clears throat> that it confused the invading troops such that they killed one another instead of going against the Israelites. It says that they um, were killed by the swords of their brothers and so they were very confused and killed each other. And then there was a supernatural event also that God sent down on them fire and brimstone. And so God himself uh, attacks these people and destroys them such that the land is littered with all of their bodies. Um, we, once we got through with that, um, with the battle, At the end of um, 38 and verse 23, God said, I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. That's his purpose in this battle. Exactly what he says there is that he sanctifies himself. He shows himself to be who he says he is. And he shows himself to be totally in control So the first eight verses of chapter 39 kind of review what we just saw happen. And it's God speaking, and several times in those verses, he basically says, I am the sovereign one. Because he says, I have spoken, so it's going to happen, exactly as I said it would happen. And so God just reviews what has happened. He ends that with, Behold, it is coming, and it shall be done, declares the Lord. So, when God has written something, and when He says it's going to happen, there's no possibility that it will not happen exactly as He says here. So, it's still distant future for um, today's world. It's you know all the way at the end of the millennial reign, I believe, and yet God is still speaking what will happen in those, what this passage of Scripture calls the last days. And it's not equivalent to what the the New Testament writers wrote about last days because they meant the tribulation. But here, this is the last days of the earth. This is the last thing that happens before you have judgment by God over the great and the small, all the dead, and the living Uh, all before the great throne of God. And so this is the last thing that happened. And God has fulfilled what he said he would do and for the purpose that he said he would do it. And so as we come to this conclusion, the, the last verses 9 through 24 of chapter 39 are after the war and the activity that must take place to clean up what was produced during the war. So we'll just read a few of these verses at a time and then walk through them and you'll see just how destructive this war was. Um, So beginning in verse 9 of chapter 39, there the scripture reads, Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them, both shields and bucklers, bows bows and arrows, war clubs and spears, and for seven years they will make fires of them. They will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forest, for they will make fires with the weapons, and they will take the spoil of those who despoiled them and seize the plunder of those who plundered them, declares the Lord God. So you have... um, a lot of weaponry. You know, this, this uh, invading army was described as um, a sandstorm, basically. They covered the earth in such a fashion that it was like, um, like a sandstorm. They completely blanketed the land as they came into it. So, and you know, we don't know exactly what kind of weapons they had, but when it talks about shields and bucklers, when you, when you talk about a shield, you're talking about um, like a Roman shield, a very tall shield that you could hide behind. And a buckler would be a shield that you wear on your arm. You know, it's got straps on the back of it, you stick your arm through it. So if you're in hand to hand combat, you can block the blows of the other guy with your buckler. And so it says that's what they have, and they have uh, bows and arrows, and they have spears. And, and so all of those things are able to be burned. You know, we look at armory today and maybe it's not able to be burned because it's made out of metallics things. But apparently, you know, we don't know. Um, people speculate about all kinds of things that will be used in, in uh, war in the future. But I mean, this describes horses and men with shields and bucklers and swords And so, maybe the world, you know, because it has been peaceful for a thousand years, doesn't have all that weaponry that we think of today. Um, And so, they're able to pile it all up and burn it. And it takes seven years to burn all this weaponry. So, there's a lot of it. I mean, seven years. Think about that. I mean, I've been burning in my backyard for three months now, right? And I've had some huge fires, and I've burned 27 trees. but and, and that's only three months. And these were big 60-foot-tall trees. So can you imagine fires going on for seven years? Um, and, you know, they're piling stuff on every day. And at night when the sun goes down, you can see all the fires out across the countryside where they're burning all this stuff. And it takes seven years to burn it all. So there's a lot of it. And... They're prohibited from going into the forest or picking up any um, uh, trees that have fallen or, you know, limbs that are laying on the ground. They can't do that. God forbids that. He says, just burn the weaponry. And you kind of wonder, why is that? Why, why not, you know, stoke the fire with some firewood? Because that's what literally um, this says, is don't use any firewood and don't go into the forest and cut any trees to help burn this stuff, just burn it. And, uh, and I think it's because God wants to focus their attention on what He destroyed and what He did in just one, you know, basically, it sounds like it's one day or maybe not even a full day when He just wipes these people out, and there's so much of this stuff that without adding anything to it, it takes seven years to burn it. So, um, horrendous amount of weaponry. And we don't know if they have to go, you know, um, outside of the bounds of Israel and find some of this stuff. You know, were all those people able to actually get into Israel? We, We don't know. But it says that they fell on the hills of Israel. So, on the mountains of Israel. So, it sounds like they actually got in. And he even speaks of they got some plunder. So, that, God doesn't describe that in the war. But, you know, maybe the Israelites uh, fled some of the cities. And so, they were able to take that, um, that plunder from those cities. We, we don't know. But whatever they got was short-lived because the Israelites take it back because the guys who took it are all dead, just laying on the ground. It talks about Gog is laying on um, an open field, and God took his bows, and he snapped his arrows, and he killed him. And so Gog and all his troops are just laying on the ground, and their weapons are piled up for seven years. But then it goes on to describe about the people who were killed. You pick up in verse um, 11. On that day, I will give Gog a burial ground there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will block off those who would pass by. So they will bury Gog there with all his horde, and they will call it the Valley of Hamon-Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Even all the people of the land will bury them, and it will be to their renown on the day that I will glorify myself, declares the Lord God. So it takes seven years to burn the weaponry. It takes seven months to bury all of the dead. And there, we'll see in a minute, there are actually people designated to go and get the dead and take them to this valley that's described here. This valley, it says, is east of the sea. And I would think that's the Mediterranean Sea. So, you know, everything in Israel is east of the sea, right? It's all um, to the east. And Jerusalem um, is today uh, on a highland. And before you get to it, you go through the valleys. And so apparently that's where this is at. Uh, It's called Haman Gog. And what that literally means, if you've got a a study Bible, you can see this, that it's the multitude of Gog, meaning they named the the, um, valley after Gog himself. So we don't know, again, if that's a title or if that's an individual. But nevertheless, he's the leader. And so this is the multitude that came with Gog. So they take all the bodies from all across Israel, and they take them to this valley, and they bury them. And that process takes seven months. Now, you can just imagine, if you're one of the guys assigned to go and get these bodies, because in a few minutes, we'll see, God says to the birds... And to the beasts of the field, come and eat your fill. So these are bodies that potentially are missing some parts because they've been eaten by the wild animals. And they've been laying there in the sun for months. So you can just imagine, right? This is not a pleasant task. This is a pretty nasty task. And um, they can't get it all done because there's so many of them. And so they just keep taking bodies to the valley and burying them. And um, it, it's a long, arduous process. And um, they name the valley after Gog himself. So um, it, obviously, you, you can think about this. If the Israelites pick up all these bodies and body parts and all the mess and take it to the valley, that is very obvious to them in a tangible way that God can do whatever he well pleases. You know, we say that today, and we believe that today, and we know that it's true, but how often do you actually tangibly grab hold of something that God calls to happen? I mean, you know, so it's going to be very clear to them as they do this that God destroyed all of these people, you know, in the first, well, even through all the burials, you got all the fires that are burning because those go on for seven years. And then they got all these bodies that they've got to do something with. And, um, and it's not a very pleasant task. So God has shown himself in a very visible, hands-on way that he is sovereign And he can protect Israel and he can keep them. And he can sanctify himself and glorify himself by showing that he is sovereign. He has shown that he is who he says he is. Which clearly the forces of God did not think that was true. But they found out in the worst kind of way. So for seven months the house of Israel would be burying them in order to cleanse the land." And then it has this kind of a strange saying, "'Even all the people of the land will bury them, and it will be to their renown on the day that I glorify myself,' declares the Lord." And so you're like, what What does that mean when God says that, you know, it'll be to their renown um, on the day that I glorify myself. And I I think it's just what I just got through explaining that it will be very apparent that God has glorified himself, that God is exactly who he says he is. And the Israelites, that was what will be in their mind as they clean this mess up. That's what God is saying here, that you will know for sure that I am who I say I am. And then it goes on in verse 14. They will set apart men who will constantly pass pass through the land, burying those who were passing through, even those left on the surface of the ground, in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. So they get all the obvious bodies, you know, the ones that are very visible, And that you can just pick up and put on a wagon or however you're going to move them and take them to the valley and bury them. But then they go back after they, wouldn't you love to be one of these guys designated to do that? I mean, for seven months, that's all you do. Uh, Yeah. And then they go back and they make this search of the land. And you'll see what the search is um, in in the next verse. As those who pass through the land pass through, and anyone sees a man's bone. So if you see a bone of one of these guys that died, then he will set up a marker by it until the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. So you got all these people who are searching the land, and you have these people who are designated to bury the bodies. So as you search the land, if you find a human bone, then you just put a marker in the ground. You put a stick with a flag on it so they'll know that you found something. And so you probably got those markers everywhere. And then the barriers come by and they actually pick it up and take and put it on a wagon and take it to the valley where all these guys are going to be buried. So you can't just bury them anywhere. and You can't just bury them where you find them. They've all got to be taken to the valley to be buried. And so God is doing that so that this valley and a town or city that is adjacent to it, which we'll see in a minute, will forever in the sight of Israel mark what God did in this war. And so they give glory to God as they see all the dead that were buried and as they see the... The city that is named after all the dead. We'll see that in just a second. So, God, they're doing this, God says, to cleanse the land. So, if this does happen at the end of the millennial reign, which I believe it does, and I think there's been ample evidence of that, but I could be wrong. If it does, then there's a time period of at least seven years. After the millennial reign, before the great white throne judgment, when Israel burns all these weapons and cleanses the land. So, don't know exactly, you know, the scripture simply in Revelation 20 says that Satan's released, there's a war with Gog and Magog, and then the great white throne judgment. So, it doesn't give time frame at all. So we, we don't know the time span between the end of the millennial reign and the great white throne judgment. It could be a long time or it could be just a couple of years. We, we, we have no idea of that. The scriptures don't speak to it. And, and Revelation doesn't say anything about it. So um, we don't know. Uh, but we know it's at least seven years because they have to clean this mess up and And they do so, the scripture says, for seven years, so um, eventually they find all the bones and they get it all buried, and all the dead are in the land is cleansed because all the dead are gone. Now notice what you know this this is all happening happening uh contemporaneously you know there's multiple things happening, and this next thing um, is is happening while I believe they're burying the bodies. Obviously, it has to be while they're burying the bodies because verse 17, As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, Speak to every kind of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble and come, gather from every side to my sacrifice, which I'm going to sacrifice for you, As a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, as though they were rams, lambs, goats, and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. So you will eat fat until you are glutted and drink blood until you are drunk from my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you you will be glutted at my table with horses and charioteers with mighty men and all the men of war, declares the Lord God. So while these guys are trying to go and pick up all these bodies, right? Occasionally, they got to get the animals off the dead bodies because the birds and the beasts of the field are eating them and drinking the blood and, and having their fill because that's what God commands them to do. Um... You know, during the time of the millennial reign, um, the scripture says that they didn't have to fear the wild animals. Um, Maybe they were all tamed or, you know, we don't know exactly what, but they didn't attack people. Um, But here, at the end of the millennial reign, when they haven't eaten um, men and attacked people and all that for a thousand years, God has to order them to go and do this. And so they do. They do exactly what he tells them to do. And so as these guys are trying to pick up all these bodies and take them to be buried, you got wild animals and birds that are also having their fill. And so you get to clean up the mess that they make. So you can just imagine, right? And um, so all of this is happening simultaneously. The burying of the dead, the activity of the animals and the birds. And uh, then ultimately, the people going and placing the markers. And all during this time, you have the fires that are burning the weapon tree. So there's a lot going on in Israel to try and clean up all this mess. Um, Because we don't know how many people it is, but it's a lot. Um, And we saw that. Go ahead, Andy.
1: Okay. Verse, Deuteronomy 31, chapter, verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people, then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land. In the
0: land. Right. Right? Very, that they are entering, which they were told to do what? Take the land And drive people out. Drive everybody out. Right. So they didn't. Right. Right.
1: And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them.
0: Hide my face from them. For a long time. And he says
1: that twice. Right. at the language in verse 24 of Ezekiel 39 I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their transgressions and hid my face from them
0: yeah and he'll say that here in just a minute at the end of this chapter yeah. and because it's Yeah, you remember when we looked at this long time ago, you know, half a year ago, that who's there with Moses when God says this? Joshua is. This is in the tent of meeting, and so Joshua hears God tell Moses, "These people will fall away." Now that doesn't happen during Joshua's lifetime. They go in, they take the land to some degree. They drive some of the people out, but not all the people. We saw that very clearly. And Joshua knows, and he says it on his deathbed, don't go after the gods of the land. Be faithful, and God will continue to do what he's been doing, which is drive people out. And what did we see? Shortly after Joshua dies, the people go after the foreign gods. And they do exactly what God says in chapter 31. And ultimately they do that all through their history until you get to the time that Ezekiel's writing this. And God drives all of them out of the land of Israel. There's not a single Israelite left in Israel when Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem. If they're there, he kills them. And so, this prophecy that you just looked at is exactly what's happened when we come to Ezekiel having written, and that goes on, this destruction of Israel. They do go back, and they rebuild a temple, but it's ultimately destroyed just a few, 600 years later, 500 really, years later. And that's true today, that the Jews are, are scattered that God has hid his face from them. I mean, I don't know if you know a Jew who believes in the truth of the scriptures, but not many do. Most of them are are dumb to what the scriptures say. Uh, They're Jewish by ancestry only, not by anything that we would call the Mosaic law. Um, uh, You know, something like 85% of the Jewish people have given up on the th- concept of a Messiah. The ones who haven't are called the Orthodox. And then you have a few that believe in Jesus Christ. And so it still goes on today that God has hid his face and turned his back on them. And it will go on that way all the way until the millennial reign is established. Well, those Orthodox will place their faith in a man, right. it's 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 horrendous when you think about it. Go ahead. It just follows a thousand years. It does. LA, and their Jews are restored yes. The of the yeah, and they're not at that time. No, because that's during the millennial reign, and they are restored. I mean, we've seen that, and then the land is is full of people, like on festival day, mm-hmm. and. Um, their walls are such that they don't have any, any their cities are such that they don't have any walls around them. And no one would dare attack them because the sovereign of the earth sits in the midst of them. And that goes on for a thousand years. And so what Andy is talking about is what happened beforehand. And, and Israel, you know, is now rejoicing because they see the truth. But God will again at the end of this chapter repeat why he is doing what he's doing today, which is turn his back on them. He'll say it again at the end of this chapter. Do so you think Satan will deceive even the Jews? No. Wow. I think those who are in Israel will be protected by God and will continue to believe in God. So he will not be hiding his face from death. No. 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 All right. blinding Right, and, and how glorious it is that he restored them and how gracious God has been to restore them because he didn't have to, but all the way back to the very beginning when we looked, when God called Abraham and took him to this land and made the promises, that's what is fulfilled in the millennium. And and, and it's still on God's mind here at the end of the millennial reign and in this final war. These things, the plan is simple. The details are messy and take thousands of years, but the plan is very simple. That God chose the people that he might glorify himself in front of the whole world through those people. And he does. And he does it again right here. He did it at the beginning of the millennial reign, and now he does it again at the end of the millennial reign. Right. Pressured him right now, and they refuse
1: to believe, and he's still reminding them of those those failures to believe God. And I can't help but think about the ministry
0: of the Holy Spirit that is in us right now. Well, it, it, it's singularly to exalt Christ. Right, and and then, and that's our perspective of it, right? That we, I mean, as we read these words and you look at this gory detail and you think about this. The reason, and this is what I said last week, to go through all of this so we would understand and believe that God will do exactly what he said he would do. And he's able to. So as we sit in a crazy world today with all kinds of uh, evil things happening, this is what God will ultimately do. And it will be judged. Doesn't mean that we'll escape all the evil. I mean, he never promises that. But ultimately, this is what happens. And that, that you need to, that's what ought to be on our minds. And that ought to be the way that we view all the things that are happening in the world. And this is the, the whole reason to try and evangelize people because if they don't trust the Lord and place their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be destroyed like these guys were. Same thing will happen to them. So it's horrendous. But that's the reason to go through it. Now, so let's finish this. Verse 21. And I will set my glory among the nations, and the nations will see my judgment, which I have executed, my hand which I have laid on them. And the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day onward. The nations will know that the house of Israel went into exile for their iniquity, Because they acted treacherously against me, and I hid my face from them. So I gave them into the hands of their adversaries, and all of them fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I dealt with them, and I hid my face from them. What God is saying is, I haven't treated you, Gog, and all your troops any differently than I treated Israel. That the same judgment that fell on them, for the same reason has fallen on you. And so this is always in the mind of God that he had to do this to Israel in order to glorify himself. And that's always been his plan. That's why the Jews are decimated today, so that God might, in the end, glorify himself by restoring them. That's why the world is in the condition it is. That's why we're headed to tribulation And the tribulation will play out. The millennial kingdom will play out. And at the end when Satan again deceives them. God will again glorify himself. That's his purpose. That's the purpose of the plan. Is to get glory to himself. Now I want to go through these last verses with you. Just to repeat what I've told you before. Which is as you read these verses. They can confuse the thought that this is at the end of the millennium. So I want to address that, and then we'll be done. Verse 25. Now notice that all of this is talking about future things, because that's where the confusion comes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, And I'll be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me when they live securely on their land with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified through them in the sight of many nations." Then they will know that I am the Lord their God because I have made them go into exile among the nations and then gathered them again to their own land and I will leave none of them there any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer for I have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. And that's all written in the future tense. So you come to, well... If Ezekiel's in chronological order and the millennial reign has already happened and God has already destroyed Gog and Magog, then why is this in there in that, this position that talks about what God is going to do that, we, that I believe has already been done? Because we're at the end of the millennium, not the beginning. And all of these things that he talks about here especially pouring out a spirit on them, happens in the millennial reign. So why is this here? Took me a long time to think about this and to think through this. Okay, it has to do with the context that comes next. Chapters 40 through 48 describe what the millennial kingdom looks like. Describes the temple Describes the sacrifices. Describes the Levites who make the sacrifices. Describes the prince, who is the one who prepares the animals for sacrifice. Describes the division of the land. But nothing happens in the last nine chapters. There's no activity. It just describes what the millennial kingdom looks like. So what I believe is going on here is that these last five verses go with that description. They introduce that description. So I I think of it this way. Chapters 1 through 33 of of Ezekiel were a prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem and the surrounding lands by Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 33... The message comes to Ezekiel that Jerusalem has been destroyed. So that section is done. Then you get to chapters 34 through 37, which is the establishment of the millennial kingdoms. God becoming the shepherd of the people. Uh, All the things that we saw where God pours out his spirit on them. Um, he gives them a new heart, takes out the heart of stone, puts in the heart of flesh. All of this restoration, the waste places are rebuilt, the cities are rebuilt. We had the Valley of Dry Bones where God resurrected the Old Testament saints and they fill the land. And so all of Israel is filled with the land and the, the land produces bountiful crops and all the trees bear multitudes of fruit All of these things happening in the land, and it ends in chapter 37 with Jesus Christ sitting on the the throne of David, the establishment of the millennial kingdom. Chapters 34 through 37 is all set in place. Then you have chapter, between the white spaces of 37 and 38, the millennial reign takes place. And then in 38 and 39, you have this release of Satan, the deception of the nations, and the final battle where God sanctifies himself. Then Ezekiel's done. All the history of the world is played out by the time you get to the end of chapter 39. It's all done. And so now Ezekiel is going to take nine chapters to describe what the millennial kingdom looks like. So he's not backtracking. He's given us all the activity. 1 through 33 were activity. 34 through 37 are activity. 38 and 39 are activity. All the things chronologically that happen in the history of Israel from the time when Nebuchadnezzar took Jerusalem. It's all detailed, all flows through. And then you get to the last nine chapters that describe what the millennial kingdom lo- looks like. So to introduce that, God speaking to Ezekiel says, here in summary fashion is what I have done for Israel. I turned my back on them. They were estranged into foreign lands and then I restored them. I brought them back in and then here's what the, that millennial kingdom looks like. So I think these verses don't speak to what has been written before. They're an introduction of the last nine chapters. It's God summarizing what has happened so that he can then describe what the kingdom looks like. So I think they don't go with chapter 39. I think they actually go with chapters 40 through 48. That's the way I see this. That's why... That's why he repeats things that we've already seen happen. I mean, it's very clear as you look at the description of Israel at the time when this war takes place, that it is the Millennial Kingdom. They're living securely in the land. The waste places have been rebuilt. The walls have no city. They don't fear any attacks. Those only happen in the Millennial Kingdom. And so to introduce what the Millennial Kingdom looked like, this nine chapter description that's going to come, he introduces it by saying what he's done in Israel to restore them. So that part is not it's not chronological beginning in this, these verses forward, it's descriptive. The chapters are arbitrary. They were not. Accurate. Well, yeah, and that's. That, right. We, the chapter divisions were created by men. The verse divisions were created by men and I'm grateful for them because they help us to find things, memorize things, um, understand things. But that doesn't mean they were put in the right place. So I think the actual division should come here between verses 24 and 25. I think 24 ends it and then 25 introduces the last chapters. When you say ends it, it literally sweeps you
1: all the way through the end of the millennial reign
0: where this battle takes place, and then, then 25 picks up, takes you back to the beginning of the millennial reign and unpacks the millennial
1: reign. And unpacks it. Shows us what it looks like. Well, yeah.
0: It yeah, because we didn't get any description other than waste places being rebuilt, lots of people, that kind of thing. Because that was the activity that was happening, but we didn't get it. We don't know what the temple looks like yet, right? But for three chapters, he's going to describe the, the temple. We don't know that there are going to be sacrifices in the millennial reign, but he'll describe who is supposed to do them and how they're supposed to do them. It's descriptive. It's, there's you know we you read Ezekiel and you got all this activity happening, and all of a sudden you get to chapter. Um, 40 and there's no activity anymore it's just descriptive and so I believe that's how this divides out I could be wrong okay but until someone gives me a better argument and I've read them and they're not better then that's where I'm at that's where I'm settled at okay It could be east of the Sea of Galilee, but usually when you're talking about the Sea of Galilee, they say the Sea of Galilee. And the sea is usually the Mediterranean. Well, you could look at it. You can go read it. But, and, and it's in the valley between, to the east of the sea. And if you go to the east of the Galilee, I'm not so sure you find a valley. I think you go up, not down. But that's where Sodom and Gomorrah. That is, it is. If if we're right, right, which is why it's dead, right? Yeah. Because it has all those ashes that were in it. Could be, and and like I say, I could be wrong. That's not important. I I could be wrong, but I have not heard a better argument, and I have not read a better argument. And the guys I really trust. Or not where I'm at. You know, I told you that. They say this war in Ezekiel is exactly like the Tribulation War. And it's not. And we looked at specific details of where it's not exactly like it. Well, you know, another point on that is that Revelation 20 talks about coming against Gog and Magog. Right. Same as Ezekiel. Right. And the
1: only two places that
0: Gog and Magog are mentioned. In all of the Scripture. You're right. And... Um, and... You know, the people in the battle of tribulation are killed by the sword that comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Not by hail and fire and brimstone and torrential rain and killing each other. And so how are they exactly the same? There's a passage from Paul in 2 Timothy that I think is very relevant to understanding because what we're
1: seeing is the righteousness of God. Right. And he does not. He does not. And that's mm-hmm. Exactly what? Just listen to Paul from Second Timothy two verse eleven. That's, this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Right. Which is why we had better know the word of God Mm -hmm. and we
0: had better believe it.
1: and We had better believe the God of that word or we are going to be sorely
0: mistaken. and, And we've seen it multiple times. The whole purpose for the restoration of Israel, the whole purpose for the millennial reign, the whole purpose for this war is that God might glorify himself. Yeah. And remember that, right? I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me to justify my name, which you've profaned among the nations. To
1: think that scripture is yeah, it's not. That is just setting, with us to it.
0: Yeah, he's not pleading with us. He's telling us what we're going to do. <laughs> so. Believe is a command. so next time, chapter 40... And we'll figure out a way to get through the temple without taking a lifetime, okay? Because it's three chapters long. Thanks for your time.